0: Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 14 of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture Podcast. I'm Rosa and I'm joined today by Billy, Sam and Tom. Hi guys. A little hi from all of you, thank you. Hi! (laughs) Um, Today we're celebrating an easy, breezy, uncomplicated win over Luton Town. We'll hand out flowers to some and very much not to others and figure out if anyone knows anything about our new director of football and if this means a final farewell to Don Fabio. There's also a first win for Spurs women, our lovely culture picks and perhaps most importantly, Tom and I will assess this year's Strictly squad. Fine, I lied about the easy breezy part, but the most important thing is that we're top of the league. Who else is feeling nauseous? You all seem very chill about this.
1: I'm feeling good. Um, Yeah, I I certainly wasn't expecting this uh, a a few months ago when uh, we were preparing for the season, but um, I'll take it. Literally
0: two months ago. We weren't weren't prepared for this. Yesterday.
1: I'm feeling good. What about you boys?
2: Yeah, man, feels good. Feels really good. Like I don't you know, I'm not really like reading too much into it, but it's just gotta enjoy these things while you can, haven't you? know. Like, I know a lot of people are downplaying it, like the way Ange probably would himself. But you know, if you if this can't let you dream as a fan, then what's the point of all of it? You know, you just gotta enjoy this stuff while we get it.
3: Yeah, I'm um I mean, league position aside, looking like six wins and two draws is you, like we can't, couldn't have dreamed that start to the league, could we? And a lot of people sort of cautioned that Ange starts slowly uh, when he goes to a new club. Apparently, seemingly he did at Celtic, and you know, I think he himself and everyone was saying, you know, it's going to take time. The players playing an entirely different style of football from from Conte and Mourinho, and um, a bit of a kind of. Uh, you know a young squad and a kind of slight ragtag kind of collection of players really signed by different managers whatever um so yeah jesus we're yeah we're top of the league and what's also bizarre is that the our record is exactly the same as that other team from north london but i think we've all decided we're we're top on vibes
2: yeah and i think the thing is for me we're actually only like 3 points better off than last season but it just feels entirely different because like it's not just like we're, the way that we've been playing the whole season is completely different. Like, we're, we're deservedly top of the league. I think we won so many games last season where it was just like, it was like a drag to the to end the 90 minutes and we just sort of scraped our way through. But this season, you know, we're top in XG and got, it's got the most amount of expected goals, most amount of touches in the box. Um, like All the underlying stats say like we're the best attacking team in the league at the moment. So it's like, an, an entirely different feeling I know last year was like our best Premier League start in like 11 years or something and this year we're now three points better off than that but just the whole thing is completely different to that last season so yeah you've got to be really happy with it it's not just like we're top and that's great but we're actually top and we're playing like the best football in the league as well
0: yeah this gives me a lot of comfort actually Bill because earlier on I was like surely this is the first time We've actually gone top. We've like seized our opportunity to go top when it matters and we haven't bowled it. And I've been reliably informed by literally everybody that we did it under Jose at Christmas and we beat Man City to go top of the league, which feels really big. So that was like not the information that I wanted, but this does feel different. It just, like, I'm not a big stats person, as you guys all know, but the numbers do mean something.
3: I think that's what's like holding me back slightly is that mm-hmm. until until that win at Luton everyone was saying oh we've had the exact same start as we did under Conte right in terms of points Billy I think you just you just pointed that out so I do remember feeling incredibly positive at that this point with Conte and yeah the Mourinho one as well and both of them were gone before before the <laughs>
0: end of the season. Yeah. So, I'm so sorry,
2: Ange. <laughs> the one was quite weird because we are actually, um, obviously, the whole lockdown thing happened in between, in the middle of it, and then we were playing really, really. I don't know if you remember, we were kind of blanking that season out of most of my memory, but we were playing. We we're actually playing similarly well under Mourinho, and we were like smashing teams left, right, and centre. We had that game against Man United, game against Southampton, and then like we had that West Ham game, and then after that, it just all went to complete shit. Um, so there that was, that was that weird season. And then the Conte last year was like, we were just playing so poorly, we were winning games. We were, and then obviously, you know, there was this, the tragic circumstances that happened, um, I think it's a year ago this week to that, to that day, actually, um, which kind of derailed our season. So yeah, I, I feel like it's a completely different vibe this year, because I feel like it's actually methodical and why we're top of the league is because we're like scoring the most goals, playing the most attacking football. And um, you would hope that that would be sustained rather than, you know, see what happened in those last two seasons under Conte and Mourinho.
1: Yeah, I think another thing as well that um, can't be understated is the the sort of hurdles that we've overcome that we, we typically trip up at, which is, you know, uh, we played against 10 men and we've won. We played against nine men and we've won. We played with 10 men and we've won. We've gone away. 12:30 30 kickoff at the newly promoted side, playing in a tiny little stadium, and we've won. Um, so all these, yeah, moments where we typically struggle, we've come up winning, uh, and it just feels different. And again, I think, like we were saying the other week, that we're as fans, we're the ones carrying the baggage here, that the players aren't feeling it. So it's it's really nice, you just got to enjoy it each, each uh, game as it comes.
3: Final thought from me on the league as well is that I hate the international break. I think we all do. Like we, you know, we're building up so much momentum. It's so worrying that I don't even know where what continent Son's on at the moment, for example. Um, and we've replaced the worry about Kane getting injured with England with with Madison because you know he's our most important player. Um, but the international break does mean that we're top of the league until at least the twenty-first of uh, October, so you know it feels sort of a bit, you know, way into the season.
0: Yeah, it's proper, man. I feel like we have actually done it at a good time and at a really critical moment. Like, obviously, we all know this, but if we hadn't won on Saturday, another team would be sitting on top of. The- like, I'm sure they're acting as if they're on top of the league anyway. Like, it's, it's we all know this, right? But the fact is, we are top of the league, and we're top of the league because we've scored more goals. Yeah, and
2: I I saw on Tom's point a really weird status that we have five games between now and December, which is just like like we're so used to being like so like having a Tottenham game every other day. And you remember, under, I think it was under Nuno when we played like twice in the space of three days or something. We have five league games between now and December, and they're like on paper they're like pretty winnable. So if we if we can last, we've got we've got Fulham, we've got Palace, we've got Chelsea, we've got Wolves, and we've got Villa in between now and December, and if we can you know, maintain our good form in those games. And who knows what can happen? But I just feel like a lot of fans at the moment are saying, you know, it's only, you know, the league doesn't matter or anything. But I just feel like it just allows us to dream. And if you can't dream as a fan, then, then what is the point of even being a fan? So I'm just dreaming at the moment and I'm really enjoying it.
0: On that point of winnable games, shall we reflect on Saturday? Because all of our predictions were... um proved completely useless as they normally are. And all right, we we did win and we are top of the league. Um but it was a much, much, much closer run thing than any of us thought it should be. It was a much less comfortable, it was a pretty painful experience watching it at times. Sam, you were there to go, you went to officially the Premier League's smallest ground. You got yourself a ticket. Don't know how you managed it. How was your day?
1: It was amazing. Um I went up with my friends uh Nick and George. Um and yeah, it was it was such a surreal experience, to be honest. Um obviously I was taking pictures and and when I put them up on on Twitter that night, um in describing the day, I used the word bizarre and I copped a little bit of heat from that from a couple of Luton fans. I think they like took it the wrong way in that um, you know, I was trying to like mug them off or, or something about the ground. But it, it actually was insane to be somewhere that had so much character um such a unique feel about it um that that entrance that I'm sure everyone's seen now is just um something else you can't actually believe that you're walking into a Premier League game it feels like yeah it's 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 like a like a cup tie or something it's got that bit of magic about it um yeah we're so used to these soulless bowls that we go to um that yeah don't have that life and and that real sort of feel of history about it so it was as much a cultural experience as it was um just going to watch the 90 minutes but um yeah it was a cracking atmosphere home fans were really up for it um everyone was was buzzing to be there obviously because it because it was really tough to to get tickets um but yeah it was it was a really really special day i was so grateful to to be able to be there for it and and yeah we got the result i'm sure we'll, we'll run through the game now but really really special
0: how many away fans were there like what's the capacity of that ground is
1: so it's a 10,000 capacity, but we, we had, yeah, I think an allocation of, of around about a thousand. So it was. And
0: everyone's so close to the pitch, right? Just watching, i was tell you, it just felt like the players were there and then the fans are basically right next to them.
1: Yeah. It was proper like non-league ground vibes, that mm-hmm. little. And like the, the at halftime when everyone wanted to like have a little sit down, cause there was no point going to the bar cause the bar could only host about 10 people. Um, yeah, you tried to sit down in your seat and you couldn't because your your knees would go through the other person's back. Um, so yeah, still was- sort of giving me
0: like slight flashbacks to old white heart lane actually. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot bigger, but still much less comfortable. Yeah, we're so we're so pampered now. Um, what. Yeah, so how did you how did you feel like the game sort of unfolded in front of you? Because I missed like the first ten or fifteen minutes, by which point I feel like we should have been about three or four nil up.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was great to watch that first sort of 15, 20 minutes. From we I, I, we were all over them, and I thought they're going to get an absolute pasting today. Um, with like Ange came out and said it was some of the best football we played all season. Yeah, I tend to agree with him. Like we were, we're moving the ball around really well couple of big chances um and then yeah sort of as as we missed a couple of those big big moments you could sort of feel the pressure in the ground start to uh move up a couple of dials and the home fans started to get a little bit of a smell for it um the noise levels went up so yeah it was it was it started to to feel a little bit tense and obviously the the, the basuma moment happened not long after um yeah in, in the ground it it the intensity just kept on going up and up and up and up
2: it was it was tangible
0: it's mad isn't it just such a quick change billy when did you did you watch the whole game
2: yeah i did watch the whole game and um yeah i i think i, I would have uh, before the game I, I honestly thought we were winning about 5-0 because i thought we would just absolutely batter them and we did like we did everything other than score like we i think we created 11 chances in like the first 5 minutes or something like that which is mm-hmm. absolutely insane and like I know we'll probably talk about it in a bit more detail, but Richarlison missed two like, really, really easy chances and that. Um, and you know, there's one in particular, that I actually got up and celebrated, so I thought it was in the, you know, the, the cross one. <laughs> then actually on, on replays, he is kind of being pulled back by a defender. I'm not really sure why no one made a big deal of that, including himself. Like he was obviously just fouled there, like a bit strange. So nothing really It wasn't
0: came. a very similar um penalty given yeah, exactly in, the the Liverpool in, the, in the Liverpool-Brighton game.
2: The Liverpool-Brighton game for Liverpool, yeah. And... um so maybe that kind of discounts that. And then there was the one where he was—he he did a—he did some really good positional play to get through one goal, and he the keeper saved it. But yeah, I tend to agree with Ange. I did think like from the beginning that was some of the best football that we played, and it's just the thing is the, your Tottenham brain sort of thinks—you know what happens when we miss those chances? We've been there so many times over the last, you know, three years. But as soon as you start missing those chances, you're just thinking, right? We know they're going to score here. We've seen it so many times over the years, and they didn't. And um, then it got even harder for us, but. um I think what i really was impressed with is obviously we had 10 men just at the stroke of half time but we came out the second half absolutely flying at them again and we nearly scored poor got through on goal and i just thought that right we got 10 men but we're still attacking them and i thought that was really really good and i think it's probably that kind of mentality that um got us home because it's, it's not an easy and i think so the way that the commentators were going on was if like Luton were like marine and it was like an fa cup like uh, third round game or something like that, but they're a Premier League team, and they're yeah, they're the it's league so league.
0: disrespectful. Yeah,
2: they're in the Premier League because they earn their way in the Championship, which is literally the hardest league to get out of in the world. And um, you know, they've they've won a Premier, they beat Everton last week for God's sake. Like it's not like some FA Cup tie. Like they're a decent, they you know, and in the, in the Premier League, you know, any team that you play against is going to be one of the one of the best teams in the world because it's the strongest league in the world. And um, yeah. Going down to 10 men and still winning, I think, even though it is Luton, I think it's still a really impressive result.
0: I think so. The way the game ended up unfolding, I feel like it was incredibly impressive. It just turned out to be completely different than the game we'd all envisaged. It ended up being really a game that was a lot about the defenders who really ended up kind of shining that day. Tom, your thoughts on our Dutch King, Mickey van der Ven?
3: In what technique for his goal? <laughs> it was ridiculous. I, although,
0: <laughs> Jonathan,
3: underrated.
2: That was an underrated finish. I
0: think.
3: Uh, yeah, really well. by
0: Ang as well.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, a moment like a moment to discuss Jonathan Pierce, who um, as as um, another, another podcast I was ta- listening to earlier said. Uh, he said the word shame about, like, or shameful about 100 times uh, as if it was, like, that Game of Thrones thing and he wanted um, him to walk around with the sort of ringing the bell. Um, yeah, Jonathan Pearce was ridiculous. But anyway, when he interviewed uh, Van de Ven afterwards, he, Mickey, he did say it was more like Van Basten or Van misteroy the Finnish, um, which was maybe just him being a bit kind of weird about... Like, Look at all
0: these other Dutch players yeah, like yeah. His name. <laughs> a name.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's a list of Dutch players <laughs> with a similar name to you. Anyway, like what ridiculous technique to put it in like that? The way he sort of let it come across his body and and the turn. Um, and it was right. Was it right in front of our fans as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So so good. And yeah, obviously have to mention Madison's assist as well. Another another assist. He's got the most assists. In the league, joint with someone else that I'm forgetting, five assists. But on the centre backs, ha- we really have finally, absolutely replaced Jan and Toby. All mm-hmm. Those two, haven't we? Um, Romero, I know, like Rosa last last season. He wasn't your favourite player. Um, and I'm think- I going to be
0: apologising for this for the rest of my life, and I'm happy to do it. Let me tell you, I've no- I've never been more glad to be a completely wrong full it's totally fine
3: but on that i'm like looking back at my sort of backing for conte which maybe went on too long because (laughs) you know same
0: same same definitely
3: did um But, you know, look at, look at the way Romero is revitalised. Like, he looks like a totally different player. He looks like the Argentina player that we, you know, we were constantly frustrated about why he wasn't performing for us like he does for Argentina. Anyway, those two are just like, absolutely unreal. Probably the best centre-back pairing in the league right now.
0: I think they just complement each other so well. What I find quite hilarious about the fact that it was Van de Ven who actually scored the goal is that it's usually Romero who takes up the like much more forward positions. Like half the time you'll look up. And he did I mean he actually did this a lot under Conte, which is probably why they didn't like each other because that's not very positionally disciplined of him. But he's always like in like in the attack he's like looking for any opportunity to join the forwards and it's always van de ven who's kind of left sort of sweeping up behind him So I think that's quite hilarious is actually mickey who got the goal you're right tom an incredible assist from madison as well and i've just said the game was all about the defenders but we can't really do anything without that wizard <laughs> so i've been i've been reading harry potter to my kids and i can't think of any other like relevant comparison <laughs> Sam, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about Christian Romero because I know how much you love him.
1: The love of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this guy is is insane. I, I, the last, well, like this season in particular, like I've always been in awe of of kuti just because I think he, the way he sort of commands presence on the pitch is is like, you know, not not too many players in the world. Like even when we're at our worst. He he really did sort of stand up and he'd make huge tackles that sort of lift an entire stadium off their feet. Um, but yeah, this season he's just found, yeah, this top tier level where I think he's yeah, genuinely the best defender in the world, like like Messi said. Um the some of the tackles that he put in uh on Saturday were were unbelievable. As soon as Luton started to get a little bit of a feel for it, he absolutely flattened their spirits just with one huge hit. There was one, I'm not sure who the, who the player was, but he nearly put him into the you know rosette in the stands just with how hard he hit him with the ball. Um, and I just, I, I love a player like that that can sort of grab a game um, by the horns and then just, yeah, completely um, control the atmosphere and on the pitch and off it as well um but yeah on the ball such a calming presence as well the way you distributed it
2: yeah, there's that like one moment where he was like a ball in midair and he like did that incredible turn and just like
1: oh man
2: it's striker. i thought it was gonna bounce over his head but that was i was
1: laughing i was i was literally in the stands just like laughing and just looking at everyone around us just being like what are we watching here it's like literally greatness right now because yeah that th- there's these moments where you know last season where it would just be hacked into rosette and the pressure would be piled back onto us where he's just Puts his foot on it, has a little swivel, sends a guy for a hot dog, and off he goes. Um yeah, between between Mickey and and Cootie, the, just the composure is unbelievable. Um, and then yeah, I i am I'm, I'm literally just in awe each game. I think like my final point on on the both of them was that the last sort of 10, 15 minutes where Luton were were piling balls into the area and the the pressure was overwhelming, where again, typically that's where everyone's got hearts and mouths, and and we're you know we're probably going to concede a goal if that's last season, but we were just heading balls away like it was nothing. They were forced to play or sort of take long shots from from miles out, and yeah, we we survived and and looked reasonably comfortable as well. So feels like we've come an incredibly long way in in a matter of yeah weeks really.
0: So much of it is just about how it feels watching us now doesn't it because it's not like we haven't come under because we've obviously come under similar pressure in the kind of Conte and Jose eras but those always felt kind of desperate didn't they like you were just kind of desperate to get through the last sort of 10-15 minutes and it's not like I'm not saying I felt particularly calm or anything but you do feel a real belief in, in the team and that they and that they trust in what they're doing. And even if they make a mistake, which we should probably get to now, uh, Eve Basuma, it's all right. It's not, it's not actually the end of the world. I mean, I actually think we were quite we even though we ended up having to play 45 minutes with 10 men, the sort of timing of it while massively frustrating was also quite lucky because it gave Ange, I guess, half time to kind of reorganize and sort Of plan, I guess, for the next 45 minutes. How do we feel about Basuma? Um, Billy, are you mad? Are you forgiving?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm forgiving. Um, uh-huh. he, I think he's more than warranted more a mistake this season. Like, he's been probably you could argue our best player, if not certainly up there with Madison and Van de Ven and Yudogi. I think it's you know, there's a lot about this season that there's probably like five or six players you could argue have been our best player this season, but he's certainly one of them. So, I think it happens, and I think. The culture of the club now you know last year you, was, you spoke about conte and richarlison did this thing where um he spoke about how um after a mistake that he made or you know a particularly bad game conte like publicly shamed him in the dressing room for like 20 solid minutes and um it's not going to happen with him. so I, I while it was a really stupid thing to do and it really he really sort of um put his teammates under it i think you'll learn from it because i think I, I couldn't imagine a better manager who would be the sort of one to do with it and i remember there's an interview of Ange where you if you listen to Ange talking about Basuma, he often like he, he puts little digs in there, not only friendly ones, but there was a thing where he spoke about, um, and this, I think it was the, the second training session that Ange had. Basuma was late to it and like he just pulled him aside and said, Listen, man, I, I, I really, you know, I really have thinking big things of you this season. Um, if you want to do that, you can't be late to training. And then obviously he's been completely on time since and been like one of our star players. So I think Ange is like, He's such a people person that I just think he'll just be the perfect manager to do with it. I have no um I, yeah, I have no real things other to say to so it than I think it was a stupid thing to do, but we have a manager who will sort it out.
0: Yeah, and I think I just find it really hilarious because obviously it come it comes like the week after the whole Liverpool um drama. And obviously we were watching Jota last weekend and we're all saying you have to remember that you're on a yellow. It's a stupid thing to do if you're already on a yellow and like a week later one of our players does exactly the same thing. But that just kind of shows that's just football, isn't it? Like players, like yeah, so yeah. much of football is just kind of decision making in that moment and sometimes players just get it wrong. Like he probably yeah, thought he could get away with it in that moment and it was obviously the wrong call.
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes you need a player that's going to get keep getting stuck in and like mm-hmm. Basuma's game is all about winning the ball back and, you know, beating a couple of men and sometimes you know, that ha- he's going to be in the mix of it all the time. So it's probably where a lot- he's got a lot of his yellow cards. The weird thing is this season that like, he's got, he had four yellow cards coming into this game. So he's one away from a suspension and then he got two yellow cards, but because he got two yellow cards, he's now back to four yellow cards. So it's a really weird sort of rule thing. I never really heard of before. So now he's back on four yellow cards. So he's again, he's going to be suspended and then he's going to be one yellow card away from another suspension. So yeah, some really weird application of this law that he's back on four yellow cards Would it have been
0: different if he got a straight red?
2: Yes, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. I'm not exactly sure how, but (laughs) make it
0: make it. So he's had six yellow
2: cards, but four yellow cards, it's just a mess. But you know, I what I really, really hope is keep an eye on this Chelsea game. It's a massive game for us, Mm -hmm. whatever we say. Um, particularly this year, because not only they are fierce rivals, but obviously the manager as well. And I really don't want him to miss that game. I feel like if he's playing, I don't I'm not worried about that game at all. Whereas if he's not playing, it's a it's a completely different game. So, I really have an eye on that game. In the next, we've got two games before then. And if he gets booked in the Palace game, which he will be back for, then he'll miss Chelsea, which will be a bit of a bit of a tricky one.
0: Would you yeah. risk not playing him then? Anybody in Palace I mean, for the Palace game?
2: I mean, maybe. I mean, Palace are, uh, Olise and Eze are both injured for Palace, and they're not going to play in our game. they have sold to high. I mean, I don't know. I, I, if I was Ange now, I'd be really looking at that Chelsea game as one we have to win. So personally, I would probably risk it. Yeah,
3: it seems pretty likely that he will be out for a game, back for a game, and get a yellow in that game. Right? Like you said, Bill, he plays. He's just that kind of player. Yeah, that he's got six good.
2: yellow cards in eight games. So I mean, come on. He, yeah,
3: he's, <laughs> he's gonna get. He's, he's gonna get a yellow card every every time he plays, isn't he? To be honest, and you know, like that. But that's the job he does. Like that's he breaks he breaks up plays and like yeah he's been he's been so good only um i mean it's always embarrassing when a player gets a yellow for a dive though isn't it I, like i have to just mention that no
0: it's it's shameful tom shame shame,
3: shame, shameful. shame. like what the fuck <laughs> just talk about overegging it as if as if as as the first player to ever dive like it's not even the most yeah. embarrassing
0: dive i've seen like this season for real just, just like last
3: week with Liverpool, it was the first time an offside decision had ever been wrong. The week after, it's the first fucking time a player's ever dived. Honestly. And I don't
2: want to, I don't want to go all Liverpool fan here, but Madison was definitely fouled right before that moment, and he yeah. didn't get a free kick for it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, I spent I spent enough time in the last two weeks or so talking about referee decisions, so I'm not going to go into that.
0: It's in your head now.
1: Yes. <laughs> <I was laughs> screaming the same thing on the ground, <laughs> Billy, don't worry.
2: He was definitely fouled, man. That was, I mean, I thought, I assumed the referee had just blown for an earlier for the Madison free kick. And then I just saw him get the red card. I was like, geez.
0: I mean, actually, this is something I do, I do want to ask all of you because I did have to wonder if, and you've probably sort of answered it by saying that Basuma has now, has got like six yellows in eight games. So it's probably, this probably isn't the reason, but the people that I watched it with all thought that Saar was struggling. And I wondered if Besuma kind of got stuck in a little bit too much because he was trying to do some extra work and cover for Saar. But Sam, you said that you thought Saar had a good game. So maybe it was just one of those, the game looks different on telly people i was watching it with don't know what they're talking about you know tick as appropriate really
1: i think he was struggling to begin with i agree with that sense but i think after basuma went off he he really could have gone to yeah a a different level of struggling but he stepped up massively and you know it wasn't a perfect game by any means but i'm always just yeah shocked by the amount of ground that that this kid can cover in a game particularly when you're down to 10 men he was running and running and running i'm 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 sure he Maybe other than Kulisewski, probably ran more than anyone on that pitch at, at the weekend. It was was amazing. Um, so yeah, I think he stepped up in a big way after Basuma went off. Um, but yeah, I agree, he did he did struggle initially.
2: Yeah, then- I just I just want to. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the interview of Sa, Man, he is just such a wholesome and lovely person, and I think. Uh, just shows a lot about his character this game because he was struggling and as soon as Basuma went off he like went up a level and he was great in the second half and like I think that says a lot of, if you forget that this guy is like 21 he's barely played in the Premier League at all barely put, kicked a ball last season and then he sort of oh I'm gonna now the sort of main midfielder in this team I'm going to have to step up and he did and I just yeah I, I really really love him absolutely he's just such like kind and wholesome person I just want the best for him always so I'm going to protect him always
3: I think I might do this bit on every podcast till he's back, but just want to say the words Rodrigo Benson Carr. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay,
0: get him. We in have a to invoke fucking, him. Yeah, get it's him the in crew. a cryo
3: chamber for the next two <laughs> weeks. There's an international break. Do whatever it takes. Yeah. Imagine him. Back for Chelsea, even off the bench. Oh mm-hmm. God!
2: Second there, I thought you were going to say Celso. Is what I thought. You were
3: going
0: to say. <laughs> yeah. No, well,
2: he's back. Some doesn't he's, want. He doesn't
3: want to upset me. He's, he gone, on, he's gone on international duty, yeah, right? He has, he has. Mad. Another. You know, we fixed the Romero thing, but Celso would probably go and be amazing for Argentina in in the next two weeks, and then come back. Be immediately and, injured. Yeah, be injured yeah. the minute he gets back.
1: Tom, yeah. I want uh, Bentaker's best, uh, his first game back for Ange to do the team talk and just before the referees call everyone out for you to have a word with him.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm up for it. If Ange wants me to do it. <laughs> um, That'd be the dream. Talking of um, uh, Spurs staff, uh, apparently the Luton ground is so small that the reporters were right next to Daniel Lev- Levy. Like, it, literally the reporters were the row in front of of daniel levy and whatever so other. you could
0: literally like see what they were writing that's well, no, uncomfortable
3: a, a, apparently right near the end um uh vicario went for a ball and uh Le- levy sort of shot up and shouted keeper's ball which which i which i love he was that that's actually amazing yeah. i love that i quite like that little t- story
0: some make sure love for Vic, actually. I feel like this is going to be like my mm-hmm. thing that I do every week now. Um, because number one, our new official drip king, I guess, based on his Insta. And also, I do think the defence has the freedom to play the way they do because of how he is so commanding and confident. He is absolutely critical to everything good that we do, I think. And maybe we didn't see it. We didn't get to see it as much on saturday perhaps but i feel so calm with him in goal i can't like I don't, i'm not sure this to me is like a similar vibe to when musa dembele first showed up and i couldn't believe we had a player who could like control the midfield and it didn't make me feel terrified that we were going to be bypassed i haven't had this feeling about our goalkeeper for so long again no shade to hugo that I can't believe I just I don't I don't feel I don't feel panicked. I don't feel worried. And I feel like that's that just kind of transmits itself to the rest of the team, right?
2: Yeah, and he did that. He does that thing that like the very best goalkeepers do, where they don't do anything all game, but then they make like one incredible save and that's all they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And um I feel like we I, I know this is like the highest praise, but he, he does kind of remind me of Alison a little bit and that he just doesn't really ever look out of out of any out of control of anything that he does. He's always in control. And um, I don't really want to talk about this match too much, but I don't know if you saw the Man City-Arsenal game. David had looked really uncomfortable at times, and the carrier has not looked like that at all. And there was glimpses of it in pre where he's maybe, you know, of course, he was playing for a new team for the first time ever, but in the league, he's been absolutely flawless. He's not put a single foot wrong. And I think you're, you're right. It's just that the calmness of it all is just incredible. And I, he is so good with his feet as well. He, he is, you know such a good range of passing but every single time he's relied upon he can pull that real big save out the bag and i think he didn't have a lot to do against luton but everything he did was it was flawless it was a flawless performance
3: billy um i uh just to confess i was actually taking my wife out for her birthday on saturday so i didn't watch the full game um, so I'm just going to bait you here, Bill, because uh, talking of players that are like always in control and put in a flawless performance like Vicario, as you were just saying, how was uh, Royal when uh, when he came on? Because he came on at like, was it 70 something minutes? He came on quite early.
2: Yeah, I mean, he didn't do a lot, to be honest, but he didn't do a lot on the pitch anyway, but I think he's off the pitch. He has more than made up for that. Um, so <clears throat> since the last time we saw him, we recorded, he has given birth or his wife has given birth even though you would think that on his Instagram it was him who gave birth himself Um, and he has just done the most incredible video like where they've documented the whole birth and while he didn't really make much of an impression on the pitch against Luton I don't really remember him doing anything to be honest he didn't do anything wrong or right this video is like the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life Um, so I've done a a slight breakdown of him just written a couple of words and I've actually got an announcement to make as well which is interesting. I have to listen carefully to that one for the ending. <clears throat> so it starts when with some own merchandise for his baby. So he's in the womb, and he's already got his own merchandise line, living up to his father's drip, no doubt. Um, baby Ravi we're straight away. Um, Emerson seems to be wearing beachwear, which is obviously the perfect outlet for your own child's labor. Um, he then gets changed into some labor gowns. Um, there are some fleeting views of his partner as she seems to have the audacity to try and hog the line like, during her birth and obviously we all know that emerson is the main character during this um one of my favorite things is during the actual contractions he's watching football with her he's making her watch football i think it's a brazilian game it's like it's absolutely mental that he's doing that it's like come on i think it's like why am
0: i not mad at him this is what i can't get over this is
2: what i think on twitter i said it on twitter he's the only person who can pull off being the main character of a woman's pregnancy and somehow get away with it Mm -hmm. um so The idea that obviously what they've done is they've actually got a video guy in for the whole birth, which is an absolutely crazy concept. And this guy gets like full view of the whole birth and they have like, you know, obviously if you're doing like highlights of a birth, which is an incredible concept in itself. One of the things they decide to put in is a full like shot of the epidural in full. Like, I'm not really sure why that is in there. Obviously a very intimate moment and a very, you know, like medical procedure. I'm not sure why that's there in full, but it is um during the actual contractions again he seems to be on his phone like facetiming someone again um but again he somehow pulls it off and what the biggest thing about this whole video is it's like soundtrack by their own single which i think is like the biggest flex of all times so he's filming his own child's birth soundtrack to his own song with him and his partner and i think that is the best flex i've ever seen and then like <laughs> i've been obsessed like absolutely obsessed with the idea that there is actually a video editor during the birth and in, in the birth so i've done a bit of investigative journalism. And I've tracked down the video editor, and I might have messaged him on Instagram. And literally, just before I recorded this, he's just replied as well. Um, And we're trying to get him on HG, so watch this space, because he has actually replied to me. And I think having him on the podcast will be my perfect masterpiece. So watch this space, because it is common.
0: We would have to just end Hometown Glory. Do we know if he's the same guy who does all of Emerson's other videos?
2: I think, from what I gather, he's Brazilian, because he just messaged me. I think they got a guy especially in just for the birth (laughs) video. It was that special.
1: Yeah, there's a different crew um, that I was speaking to as I was walking out the ground on on Saturday, and we were were chatting cameras. So um, maybe
2: we can get like a double... Emerson special on with these guys, we'll get the the video editor on. I mean, if, it's absolutely
0: if, incredible. He might have two crews.
2: If David
1: Beckham can have a four part series, movie length, um, the yeah, the sky's the limit.
2: I feel like our whole podcast has been leading up to this moment, and getting the, all of Emerson's various crews on, and get like his merchandise team on, just have an Emerson special. <laughs> It's
3: it's like, we crazy. need it. We need it. It's like uh, the sort of blockbuster Marvel films that uh, Billy Billy loves, like where you've got a, a A film unit and a B film unit, like so they can be in different locations. They can kind of tag each other in. And,
2: um. I, I, and one of the things we found out today is that Emerson's partner is a doctor, um, as if they couldn't be a better couple, which is maybe why she's fairly relaxed about having a whole video crew in for her own birth. So
0: <clears throat> I love the idea that he's like, that he might be like her trophy husband. Mm.
3: <laughs> but also, I think literally like three days later, Richarlison was round and they were doing karaoke again. <laughs> Yeah, and he's released
2: another video, which I can't go into in granular detail. Which Sam showed me last night where he's just playing like random sports in his garden, like no baby or wife in sight. You know, he's just seemingly not parenting at all and just playing like tennis in the woods or something. But
3: he didn't you know. seem great at tennis either. His tennis looked quite bad. You just
2: can't, can't second guess this guy. It's just like <laughs> his Instagram is literally the, the greatest media of any It is real cinema always.
0: Do you know what I really love though? that so obviously you guys know my theory there because I think they had the baby in Brazil and I think she's just, she's like, no, I don't. I'm just going to like stay here with my new baby and my family because she like knows what she needs as the mum of a newborn. And she's like, I don't, I don't need Emerson's energy around right now. And I don't need him like not being here while he's like focusing on his football. She's like, no, I'm just- two children. Yeah, she's basically.
2: She's Victoria Beckingham at basically- <laughs> And, um, but, but coming back to the original point which Tom was making, I do really think it was interesting that the subs completely shut off the game. And I was, when mm-hmm. I think he bought on Davis. I was uh, like, where's
0: this going back to? Oh, right, football. Yeah. <laughs>
2: know, as much as we, could, we will literally do a whole special dedicated to Edison, but uh, Emerson. But I was, when you see those subs come on as a player, as a fan, sorry, and you kind of 1 0 up and you. I know we all want attacking subs. We've got a lot of attacking talent on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. You've got like Brian Hill, LaSalle, Sir. We had Valise on there, And he, he reaches for Skip and Emerson first. And I think he brought off Son and Madison for those two, didn't he? Or something like that. And you're just thinking, oh, God, what is going to happen here? But it completely shut the game off. And there was a real, as Sam has mentioned earlier, there were some massively intense periods of pressure that Luton were putting us under. And Anne's just completely shut it out. And I thought it was incredible game management. Not something we really see under because he normally is all out at attack all the time. But obviously in this specific circumstance where we have 10 men, it was good to see like a bit of tactical flexibility and it just like, it shut out the game completely. And as soon as those three players came on, I, I don't think Luton barely got a kick in the game.
3: Um, and also, sorry, one maybe final point on Luton. Um, uh, was everyone saying Kulu had a really great game as well?
2: Oh, man. I mean, Sam, I imagine we'll be able to talk about it more, but, I thought he was absolutely outstanding, one of his best performances for us in a completely different way. Like, he was just running so much of the ball, holding the ball up. Because he, when Son of Madison went off, he was literally playing as a lone striker. And um, yeah, he was incredible. Just the work rate. There's this one incredible thing where he, uh, there's a video of it going around on Tottenham Twitter, I think, where he like nutmegs someone and then like runs the length of the pitch and puts a great ball in, which we should have scored from. I just thought he was absolutely outstanding and a different kind of performance to what we normally see from him.
0: Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I think it was that to me was sort of the apotheosis of his kind of performances this season because he's like he is not ever subbed right and always takes off son and Madison and that's obviously to look after them, protect I don't them.
2: Think he's been subbed all he's actually No, you mentioned it. Yeah.
0: No, but he like he just runs. He runs till the very end, and we've seen the contributions um, that that has resulted in. If we think of the Sheffield United game, for example, I like i'm so pleased that he seems to be not just back but possibly better than he was like he had that six months where he was incredible unplayable so strong and then obviously had a really really tough season last year and i think was struggling anyway but also was probably like found out quite a bit but he just has come back stronger than ever i think so it's just really really awesome to watch i'm so pleased
1: yeah, there was some concerns. I think at the first game or two about his his fitness and if he had the legs in him, like post injury or whatnot. Um, but yeah, Saturday he really showed how sort of broad and diverse his strengths are as well. Like he in the first half, you know, he cut in had had an amazing shot, like attacking wise. He, he's, he's been great, um, but then the second half, um, sort of as we. We took off um, you know, Madison, Richardson, son, all of our, you know, attacking players, and he was up there alone, having to fight for every ball by himself, literally like a bull. Um, and he just showed how good his hold-up play can be, how strong he is, and and it just took so much pressure off the team and alleviated all of that, um, yes, yeah, stress that that was happening at the other end of the pitch. You know, we could Vicario could kick long, and then he would he would just chase down every ball and and literally just hold it in the corner to give the team sort of five, 10 seconds. He'd win a throw in um, and he just did not stop all game long. So he just got so much love from the away end. We were singing his song, you know, most of the game, I think. Um, and he, he damn well deserved it. He was incredible. It was so good to see him um, back to his his unreal best. And, and again, another player that's so young, he's only going to get better. It's just lovely to see him thriving under Ange.
2: And uh, I just wanted to say on on all of that stuff, like before we finish on Luton, like um there videos going around at the end there and all the sort of players were um were like throwing Mickey van der Vern into the away fans and stuff and everyone's shouting his name. But in the background there was like Hoy and he, he was sort of a couple of sets back from the fans and the players. And um it made me feel really sorry for him because I thought when he came on in this game, he did an excellent job and he's been a bit part player this season and he's been really professional with it. And if we're honest, he's way too good to be a bit part player. He should be. He could be starting for Atlético Madrid. He could be starting for any number of you know. Team. Obviously, he was very heavily linked with Fulham, who he would literally play every minute for. And he's obviously not happy because he wants to be starting games, and he's been really professional. I just felt a bit sorry for him. Like I, I want him to feel like I feel like we probably owe it as fans to be a bit better towards him because I myself, I've you know, I'm, I'm I'm always I'm not giving him the best of rise all the time. Um, but he's a really professional player and he's really sort of, he's, he seems to have great character, great leadership skills, and he can be frustrating at times. But I just want him to like, yeah, I really want him to get involved in that love and that the rest of the squad is going through because I think he deserves it.
1: He's got a good, the- good opportunity the next couple of games. Hopefully, yeah. probably play 90 minutes, both of them, depending on what he decides, like you're saying about whether he rests uh, Basuma for make sure he is, is fit and not suspended for Chelsea. But yeah, I'll. I'll be making sure he gets a lot of love uh, in those two games from from the stands, absolutely.
0: I think there's time for at least a mini-redemption arc for Pierre. I pretty mean, good. but also, like, Basuma and Zara have got to go uh, going off to AFCON yeah. early next be, year. So
2: a pretty good chance he'll go in January, but with those two going, and obviously, you know, Bentacle, as much as we know he's going to be incredible... There's a chance that he might not regain full fitness until the end of the season if you listen to what um Dan Kilpatrick said the club have been saying about him. It's a it's a bit of a mixed bag because so we don't even know exactly what's gonna happen with Benton Kerr. So there's gonna be plenty of chances for him and he deserves it really. Like he's he's been absolutely professional about the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good place to finish the Luton discussion, which we said we were gonna what take 10 minutes on. It's been half an hour as ever. <laughs> <laughs> um should we move on to our new director of football oh my god somebody remind me what his name is because i've written it down and i've literally just forgotten where i've put it johan, I know he...
2: johan lang i don't know that's how they say it Alan land i think i lang but i don't know
0: not quite the as tom said earlier not quite the bruno large level of cool names but we're getting there he's danish right
2: yeah danish We've... and we took him from aston villa
0: yeah and i read a an article in The Athletic earlier today which was inconclusive but I guess we know that Villa are doing better these days than they were previously. He's been he was there since 2020 I believe and obviously during that time they have improved massively and obviously that could just be down to Emery but it also might not be. So I guess This is one of those things, unless you're like deep into the weeds of director football chat, you won't really know.
3: Yeah, it's hard to know how much was him. Right. Um, But, you know, players like Ramsey and Watkins, uh, obviously. And yeah, they've made some really good buys. I think he used to be a player as well. Right. So he sort of, you know, has that background rather than just being some stats geek, so that's quite good. Um And so, does that
0: l- does that make him better in your eyes, Tom?
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I don't know. God knows.
0: We have no idea. Yeah.
3: Well, the, uh, what was AvB was the one who uh, had literally pro- never could c- kicked the ball right. It was just our stats man, oh, and that was Merenia's totally fine. Totally that fine. Fun.
0: No, pro- uh, no problems there.
3: But also the the apparently Paul O'Keefe on uh, Twitter who seems pretty reliable on these things is saying Paratic is still gonna be around and be consulting. And I think sort of sad that he signed 10 of our starting eleven the yeah, other day. I, I so the only one the only one he hadn't signed was Song, And, and everyone else was under 27. Yeah.
2: Of yeah, I was just, just about to say that because um that's insane, isn't it? And like obviously there was a, a period in this tenure where he was had like this mixed reception with to, pratichi to because we weren't seeing the players that he signed play. And then now I just it's just like it's hard to understate what an incredible job he's done because as Tom was saying, ten of those eleven players he signed, and almost all of them are massive hits. Some of them are gonna be like Tottenham players for like the next ten years or so. And yeah, I just yeah, as as we say hello to the new guy, I think um, he's left like an incredible legacy at Tottenham and he signed some players, which I am now. I feel like this is one of the best periods of my life of watching these guys. And I think we owe him a lot of credit for that.
0: But hopefully this isn't the end because this was this was my question, actually. And so, Tom, I'm really glad you said that because I would actually be very sad to see Fabio go because I think he's ultimately, you know, a little little. Criminal activity aside, um, he's been let's, amazing for us. Look,
3: look, let's hope he's got a new financial advisor, a new mm-hmm. accountant, and uh, yeah, that he he can team up with this uh, Danish bloke.
2: There's um a, a report going around today from Norway that Baratici has been in Norway meeting Bodo Glimpt and. Um, I think it's a Belgian club Bruges players today like in Norway so he's still working let's be honest it's like the worst ban ever his ban he was like basically going to every single one of our games still um, obviously like we signed Vakari for God's sake and obviously that's heavily come from Paratici during his ban so he was never really banned was he let's be honest mm-hmm. and I think yeah let just keep him as a consultant forever because he's got like an incredible life for a player and even if you just took Udogi in isolation that would be enough for me that would be yep yeah, i don't care what else you yeah. did you bought your doggy but there's like 10 of them uh, They're this good and it's just it's been we have been so bad at transfers tottenham for the, uh, like historically over the last 20 years or so and it's been a real shift since he came and we've like rebuilt a squad um and it's like a really really bright future ahead so yeah let's keep him on um above board let's let's just keep him here forever just quickly,
3: one other thing we've been quite bad at recently is bringing through youth team players as well, right? And I think specifically in the announcement about this guy, Lang, um, he one, he won his sort of title as technical director, right? And I think the idea is that he will be responsible for bringing through some of these young young players from the under-21s and stuff. So that mm-hmm. would be great.
2: And right now, Tottenham are top. The under 18s are top. The under 21s are top. And the men's team are top as well. Um, yes,
0: I was going I was like, aha. Oh, but you've, you've beat me to it. It's so it's good, really though, man. Time. That's amazing.
2: It's a really exciting time to be a Spurs fan. It just seems to have all happened at once. And it's amazing.
1: I just want to say that um, Paratici built us a football team. The least we can do is build him a statue.
2: Yeah, get it done, man. Get it done. Of him on the phone with those headphones in as well. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Maybe, you know, could, the like, most. throw up like, a couple of de- designs for us that would be great. We the most iconic fashion.
0: moment of his entire tenure I think, like never mind the players that was absolutely amazing. Do you know what I do find really hilarious is like reading things about like, oh Tottenham like took a reputational hit with the Parasigy saga, I'm like did, did anybody literally care? There was like five minutes where we were all like a little bit embarrassed and then we just moved on.
2: Just a minor... It's not real crimes, is it? It's just a bit of cooking the books. Who cares?
0: Exactly. Exactly. No problem whatsoever. Well, I'm really glad he's going to be sticking around in some shape or form because, as we've all said, he is incredible. The weird thing is he's terrible at picking managers.
2: Yeah, absolutely god-awful. <laughs> absolutely terrible. And that's a yeah. that really weird period at the beginning of his tenure where him and uh, him and Steve Hitchin used to sit like, pitch side and go like absolutely mental on the side. That was really, really weird. But you know, it it all turned out good in the end.
3: That was so weird because it was making me wonder today what how this lang, is he gonna be there with the players? Like where's he gonna sit? What's what's his um, temperament?
2: Apparently he's super, super low key. Like he would never he would never do like a public interview and he's like very, very background guy, which I think is probably good for us. Yeah,
0: yeah, we need a bit of that, I think. Yeah, apparently when he was, because he was at Wolves many years ago and apparently loads of the players were just like, who is that guy? What does he do?
3: <laughs> That's fine. I'd imagine a few of them have been like, why does keep hanging around me or still hitching back in the day anyway?
2: In the cafe, in the, in the fucking Amazon documentary, everyone just having breakfast together every day. <laughs>
0: I do weird 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 times and and but, hopefully
3: he doesn't hate the transfer window as much as Hitchin as well like just you remember he hates the fucking transfer window
0: do you ever just feel like do you know with um obviously the Liverpool game and the VAR guy just basically caught having your worst day at work broadcast everybody do you feel like Steve Hitchin thinks about that sometimes and it's just like why did i say that like I mean, that was before, just a moment
2: all, yeah we all hate our jobs at some points right so
0: and we never have to have just it don't, like, replayed Don't say it to over, literally and, over
2: Amazon. and over
3: again. <laughs> Given our record in those transfer windows under Hitchin, he was repeatedly having his worst day at work, just I over mean, and this over. this is it.
0: The evidence also backed him up, unfortunately. Um, anyway, it's all worked out fine so far. Some other Another team that it's all working out fine for so far? Yes, it is Spurs Women. We got our first win at home at the weekend. We beat Bristol City 3-1. Um, all the goals came in... Oh, no, our goals came all came in the first half and then they um, got a penalty in the second half. So, annoyingly, all of the goals were um, on the other side of the pitch from where Sam and I were sitting because we went together along with my six-year-old daughter and we had a great time, right?
1: It was so good. And I had a little uh, photography apprentice for the day, which was a lot of fun. Um, So good.
0: I finally found the thing that's going to properly every time I'm like, oh, she's finally into football. It's finally happened," And then she gets bored again. But I think this is it. This is going to be the way she's going to be your like apprentice. And yeah, the next generation. I'm excited.
1: I'm ready. Yeah. The next generation of of hometown glory. Uh, We're here for it. Let's go.
0: But it was a great day, right? I feel like the atmosphere was really nice after there was a bit of chaos trying to get tickets because I left it till like after work on Friday to try and get a ticket. And the online ticket office had closed, which was really helpful. And I was slightly panicked about it. And then eventually it transpired that, you know, you could just go along on the day and it would be fine, which it was. And they opened up sort of one of the long stands and another one behind the goal. And it was a decent turnout, I thought, actually, given that it's not like a massive, massive game. But I felt like the vibe was pretty good. Yeah, it we was even had It was like a freed from desire sing along at one point, which was cool.
1: It was really good. Um, yeah, on the ticketing thing, I don't know why they close it so early. Like, I feel like they should be giving people every opportunity. It's a digital ticket, right? So mm-hmm. I don't see the reason why they would turn it off. I know I know from experience that they leave the, the men's game open until basically kick off where you can buy a ticket online. Um, It it just seemed a little bit silly, but yeah, I I also went to the ticket office and and it wasn't any problems, Um, but had to call up to find out what was actually going on. Was it sold out? Was it not sold out? Um, But after we figured that out, uh, yeah, it it was amazing. The atmosphere was really, really good for, for yeah, not, not like a clash of the Titans kind of game, but first home game of the season, really, really good turnout. Atmosphere was, was really healthy um, and we saw some, some banging football, didn't we? It was really good. Yeah,
0: we just, really can did. I,
2: can I just ask, because I was obviously listening to the incredible preview podcast, um, the host and glory one of the women's season, which Thank I highly recommend anyone to to check out um, at any point during the season if you want to know more about the women's, women's game. Um, but is there like, because from that, listening to that podcast and from talking about the Chelsea game last week, it does seem like there's a really positive sort of, um change in direction towards the women's team was that like really noticeable on the pitch and particularly in comparison to like last season
0: definitely what i would say so the lineup was unchanged i think from the week before so um it was Luana Bula Molly Bartship um, in central defense and then Ash Neville on the left and and Hara James on the right then we had um Olga Arsen Drew Spence and Evelina Siminen in midfield And then Martha Thomas up top with Grace Clinton and Celine Bizet on either side of her. And that, yeah, so that that was the same team that played against Chelsea. I would say the first half, absolutely. I don't know how you felt about it, Sam, but definitely we were playing so high up the pitch. I don't think it was sort of a shame for us, right? Because we were just, we were like the other side, basically. So all of the action was in the um, opposition half and kind of the other end of the pitch from us. But we hardly saw any down our end, right, for the whole first half. Um, three goals, two pretty fantastic ones. So Olga Arsene got her first for the club. And Evelina took a free kick to make it 3-0. In between that was um, a techn- technically a Martha Thomas goal. But it was ultimately that she just kind of... I don't really know what happened. I've only seen it once back. I think it was like the goalie sort of kicked it and it like bounced off her back and then yeah, like way
1: too long and yeah. yeah got in a lot of trouble
0: but you what, know what, what that's a free
3: kick can I just say what a ridiculous free kick so good yeah
0: fantastic that was Evelina yeah amazing. I like it's
1: the best thing ever when you're when you're at football live and you watch you know a direct free kick hit the back of the net mm-hmm. it's like very very uh few feelings that, that that top that when you see like that moment of brilliance because everyone knows like how hard it is to execute like we've all tried it like at the park at some point or you know and and we watch it live every week so few of them actually hit the back of the net so when they do it's, it's really quite special to see.
0: and that feeling you have when you suddenly realize that that's what's going to happen like just before it does just yeah. the ball like just dips and you're like oh this is happening amazing yeah we were absolutely good for those three goals i think we kept up the pressure like really really well um just loads of sort of brave inventive creative play I would say we fell off in the second half not like dramatically so but enough that it felt I don't know if it was a sort of fitness issue or uh, these things just take time kind of thing
1: yeah it felt it like so we ran simple. out like a little bit yeah. um, but I think it was it was just so nice to basically everything that I'd, I'd want to say would just be an echo of last week which was that it's it's so nice to watch the team that you support have such clear, obvious intentions mm-hmm. um, when they're on the ball, and and without the ball. To be fair, like defensively, we were just as good as we were um, in attack. You know, the, the press was was phenomenal. There's so many times that we we lost the ball, we forced them to play back, and we won the ball right in the corner flag, um, and and we're, we're straight on the attack. It was. Um, really, really good. I think like yeah, the difference the last week is that we weren't playing one of the best teams in, yeah. in world football. So we were able to to find those inches of space and, and and make our magic happen. So um yeah, really, really good performance, really promising and um yeah, super optimistic of of the season to come, I think. Like I was I was really again pleasantly surprised with with how well we played.
0: And it's just finishing those chances off as well, which I think everyone has been sort of worried about given that um, Beth England is out, but like Martha Thomas has been brilliant. I think like, obviously that's a sort of embarrassing goal to give away from Bristol's point of view, but it doesn't happen unless you're kind of there and kind of applying pressure. Right.
1: Yeah. I was really impressed with her movement off the ball. Um, She was making like brilliant sort of diagonal runs in between the two center backs and in between center back and a full back where, um, you know, as as a defender, that's the worst thing when you've got someone that's just finding those spaces in behind you. And occasionally, we were playing that ball in behind, and it was it was it was looking good. So I think, yeah, two games in, it, it, obviously with it with with Beth England to plug back into that, I think it could be pretty fun for little old Tottenham.
0: Yeah, oh. but I also just think more time. So I'm just going to say this one more thing, and then you can ask your question. Um, I feel like more t- they just need more time together because I think what's obviously happened is all of the international football. Um, that got played, the World Cup, and then players came back and then went away again. The schedule is quite fucked up. And I think that that's just going to be a problem anyway until they sort it out. Um, But I think once these players have more time together we're going to see such like we're just we're going to see that much 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 more consistently i think like the fact that they're getting it already is amazing actually and so it makes sense to me that we fell off in the second half especially because we didn't need to be as intense as we needed to be against chelsea so yeah just want more time more training um more games i think it could be something quite special really all
3: i was going to say is i thought thomas was so good against chelsea actually as well um so yeah. it's it's wicked that She's uh, Impressing so much Also one of my best mates Is a Bristol City fan Uh, So you know For obvious reasons I never give a chance To Like I never have a chance To give him shit Um, Apart from you know Just being generally Championship Um, (laughs) Perennially stuck In the championship But We also beat them Twice in a week Because the under 21s Beat Bristol City Um, So yeah We beat Bristol City Twice Which was great in, In a matter of A couple of days
0: Bad luck for you, Bristol. Um, Sam, do you have any other like standout perf- performers that you want to shout out?
1: Um, on top of what we just said, I think um, you and I were both like, super excited when Jess Naz came on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably didn't see her best performance, but like it's so good to see a player that every time they get the ball, they want to take somebody on. It's just like, yeah, I guess football over the last sort of 10, 15 years that like, we've lost... Um, like that kind of player that has that intent to to literally just run at somebody and 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 try and be so direct. Um, yeah, it's been coached out of a lot of players, so it's good to see someone that's like, yeah, still so raw and has that enthusiasm to just basically try and embarrass somebody and get the ball in the area or get a shot off. Um, and it was
0: so close to working. The one thing I thought that was slightly weird was that I don't know if she was just sort of slightly off her game or her timing or whether cuz i feel like she is faster than what we saw yeah. on sunday and i don't know if she's kind of just like, just still sort of working maybe she's just working her way back from injury actually because i think like a lot of balls were being played like just in front of her but i was like certain she could reach and she didn't quite get there in time so whether that's just a sort of team synchronicity thing or a timing thing on her part or an injury thing i don't know it'll be interesting to kind of see but I tell you, who else I thought was brilliant was, and we didn't get because obviously she was over the other side of the pitch from us. I thought Grace Clinton was excellent. So good, like yeah, so good. she is a baller, man. She was causing havoc, and I really hope she sticks around for longer than one season. Next up, we've got Reading at home in the Conti Cup. You would have to think we'd win that because they got relegated last season and they've also lost their best player to Leicester. Tomorrow so night. it's Yeah, what day? Is it? Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we will have some fun against them. And then we've got Brighton away at the weekend. They are... They beat Everton away, but then they lost to Rianne Skinner's West Ham at home at the weekend. So I feel like, and they were obviously like in the relegation mile with us last season, although they've they've strengthened quite considerably and they were one of the teams that was meant to have had like a really good transfer window. So, which I think they did do. They signed people like Vicky Lassada, um, Maria Torres-Dotter and a couple of others. So, I don't think they should be in any trouble, but that I think is, that's like, that's quite a test. I think that'll be at the Amex. So actually that should be quite an exciting game, but I would, yeah, I think that's, that that, that game will definitely be a test. I think we'll have like a, because obviously Chelsea, very impressive performance, but we still lost. Bristol, while not terrible, I think they are really going to struggle this season Um. um like we are probably relegation candidates. But this, because Brighton were sort of our level last season, it'll be a good test of kind of both the teams, I guess, to see how far we've come. Quite exciting nonetheless. Um, right, guys. Shall we move on to culture? Tom, what have you got for me this week?
3: Um, I went to watch Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads concert film at... Uh, the Prince Charles uh, Cinema in Leicester Square, which is... Always- Surely
0: you've seen that before, though, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I've <laughs> seen it quite a few times before, like in terrible sort of uh, standard definition on like DVDs or streaming services, but it's been remastered, re-released, um, by, directed by Jonathan Demme, who obviously did like Silence of the Lambs and loads of other um, amazing classic films. Uh, and yeah probably you know for good reason is regarded as the the greatest concert film ever made like until, david burns uh, ridiculous until
2: friday the eras tour comes to the cinema <laughs> taken over the yeah. swifties i've it, 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 heard everyone say it's the best concert film ever is it as good as everyone says
3: it's honestly so good although it's worth shouting out the uh, so, like, David Byrne is so good in Stop Making Sense. It was forty, It's 40 years old next year. The direction's brilliant, lighting, it's very theatrical. Worth shouting out the Spike Lee concert film that he did for David Byrne a few years ago, um, which is also really good from David Byrne's solo solo uh, tour. I mean, like, if you don't like Talking Heads at all, you probably, I don't like. it's maybe not worth watching, but if you've even got a passing interest in Talking Heads and... You know, you would know that David Burns like one of the coolest people ever. It's so cool. The, the, the framing of the shots and, yeah, the direction and, you know, hearing it in the Prince Charles, in the proper Prince Charles uh, speakers was really good. Although they did tell us we couldn't dance beforehand. So everyone just um, kind of did some chair dancing and clapped at the end of every song, which was nice.
0: That um, seems really anti the Prince Charles vibe, like. Because shout out to the Prince Charles, which is awesome. an iconic cinema man. Do you know how much
2: room in between the seats, so dear. It's, like, it's pretty backed in.
0: I think
3: also it wasn't in the main room; it was in the the upstairs room. So it's kind of no one people wouldn't have been able to see if people were stood up. I guess. Um, I've never been to a sing along there, but I need to go to one of the like big sing alongs they do. That always sounds really fun. I see but you there for Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh yes, yes please. <laughs> um, yeah, that's basically all I've done. Watched Strictly and watched some of the Beckham Dock. Shout out Bobby Brazier. I know we said we were going to talk Strictly, but I keep uh, it's so long at this time of year. But I like Bobby Brazier. Big Spurs fan. Mm-hmm. Jeff was Boys, even, Bobby. Yeah, amazing. Jeff was his dad. Jeff was at the Liverpool game, I think, while, while like Skip, his yeah. son, and it was streaming. literally like,
0: "Thank you for putting Bobby on first, so that we could watch you it." Watched it, it, it on his phone
3: at <laughs> Um and I quite like Annabelle Croft. Is it? T- yeah, with uh, with
0: with our guy Johannes. Yeah,
3: oh, I mean, at this, at this
0: point, it's all about the it's all about the professionals, isn't it? We've been watching it for so long, we don't know who the celebrities are. No it's our favorite professional dancers. Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, Diane's amazing. She's mm-hmm. now my hottest favorite uh dancer and Jaya jojo johannes is so good
0: yeah we love jojo i'm also a big karen fan as you know so and kat, kat
3: yeah i like kat mm-hmm. yeah who i think is with nigel
0: harman no karen who's with eddie nigel harman housewives favorite is with can't remember forgotten doesn't matter we'll we'll, we'll figure it out this week Uh, yeah I've watched like the whole like we've gone big on it in our house this year so we've basically watched like all everything in its entirety the only thing we're not doing is it takes two because that is frankly too much strictly even for me yeah I'm also into Amanda and Giovanni I think they're quite a cool couple apparently they fell out loads but they look like they've got really good chemistry so maybe it's a sort of love hate thing who knows like Vito and Ellie that's nice it's just it's just fun at this stage, isn't it? You're just like could could go any way. Um, we'll obviously be reporting back frequently until Christmas. So
3: Definitely, yeah.
0: Enjoy everybody. <laughs> um, Billy, what have you been up to? Sorry, uh, Tommy, you finished with your culture picks. I just
3: completely oh yeah, no, off. That, that's me. Haven't done much else. A <clears but>, uh, <throat> bit of the Beckham doc.
2: Yeah, I've also watched. I've watched all the Beckham documentary, um, which I thought was incredible, actually. Um, directed by a man from Succession, who is actually an Oscar-winning director, which I didn't know until this year. He, he made some other documentary that won an Oscar. Um, and and also,
0: some... Charlie would never forgive me if I didn't also mention that he was Michelle Pfeiffer's ex back in the day. She, like, broke up with him because he cheated on her repeatedly, allegedly. What the fuck? <laughs> Hugo.
2: Yeah, what an interesting dude he is. But mm-hmm. um, it's incredible. It's, it's really, really good. And, then, like, obviously there's a lot of stuff in it that it makes, like... It makes David Beckham look like the best player of all time, um, which you know is arguable. but uh, it's just such a cool period of time. Like the 90s, I'm just such a sucker for anything like that. And I got like real, n- I remember watching some of those England games as like a kid with my grandparents and like the Argentina game and stuff. Um, so it really sort of got me in my feelings. And then, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, it, you know, for, for mainly for nostalgia reasons. There's also a very brief Lucas Mora cameo. So just look out for that one um but yeah i really enjoyed that I've had a gary, great... i
3: Gary, was just gonna say sorry gary Neville was very good value in it as yeah, well and right. like the main sort of the sort of main takeaway from the whole thing is that him and victoria like are still really very much in love and a very real yeah, couple yeah, that was,
2: and i there's i won't spoil the ending too much but the very ending is where he go it, it's the first time he, he shows his children um and it's just, they're a really great family and they're really happy the way that it ends. But I won't, I won't talk about it for those who haven't seen it. On uh, a really,
3: I was just going to say, on a really base level as well, Sam mentioning that there is nothing sweeter than a direct free kick being hit. Um, and, I know,
2: mean,
3: watching know. those back, watching those Beckham ones. It back, God.
2: And there's also this game, which I don't actually remember at all, um, where they win the league against Tottenham on the last day of the season. I have no memory of it whatsoever. But yeah, and he scores as well. I really It can't didn't remember
0: happen. That. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I really yeah. can't
2: remember that at all. But yeah, apparently that happened. But I had a great week of cinema as well. I watched, um, I've seen all of the words of Anderson Roald Dahl films now, and they're just a delight. And crucially, three of them are like 17 minutes long, which is exactly what you want for a film. I also saw The Creator in the Cinema, which is um, an incredible sci-fi film. It's, it's not as good as I particularly wanted it to be. So I've been, I've really been hyped it up as one of my favorite films of the year. But was, the, the storyline is a bit dodgy. But it looks incredible. Um, and also, this is gonna be my culture pick. Um, I haven't finished it yet, so it will be my one next week. Um, I've got like ten minutes to go of a film called Bottoms, which is. Um Rachel Senna is wrote it and she is obviously in Shiva Baby and it's got um what is her name? Ayo Adabiri from um The Baron as well, who seems to be an absolutely opisant at the moment. She's incredible. And it's like, you know, every every year in America there seems to be like one incredible teen film, like there was like Book Smart, um Shiva Baby itself, and there, like all these incredible films that come out. Um and this one is this year's. It's just an absolutely incredible film. It's like really um getting a lot of love on Letterboxd and it's it's really, really good. It's about like these two lesbian schoolgirls that make a fight club um and if that's not a good premise i don't know what it is but it's it's really really good so i'd highly recommend checking it out i think it comes out in england in november but um i
0: can't where? wait to see it man the tray i've i've watched the trailer multiple times i like oh, so that good. kind of thing i'm yeah. just like that yeah. speaks right to my heart
2: yeah so there's there's just an incredible amount of like female directed female written female starring comedy i think like the female driven comedy is uh far and away the best you know one of the best dramas at the moment and there's just like a wealth of it coming out of america these incredible women that are making this stuff and um i had is uh, if, sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong just seems to be in that in an incredible hot streak at the moment like she's just like she's in turtle she's in the bear she's in she's in another film that i watched recently but she's just an incredible screen presence and it's it's an amazing amazing film
0: and that is a man telling you so you know it's true guys
2: exactly exactly
0: um sam what have you been up to
2: um
1: so i had a week of sort of finishing things off um so i finished the bear um and yeah i i really just want to like talk about the bear for hours and end with you guys um, i can't
0: believe somebody like i can't believe you finished it like after me
1: no see what i did like th- this series has been really hard for me to get through like working in the restaurant industry every day and like i my job is literally to like open restaurants. So like this was really quite traumatic. Uh (laughs) Um, So I had to sort of take it in doses. Like I I had, um, I watched when my partner and I would watch in the first season, I watched like four episodes back to back with her, like one one day and then went to work the next day. And I I couldn't do my job. Like I was having a breakdown basically. So I learned my lesson, took Uh it in doses from there and then, was basically yeah sort of spacing them out and just trying to sort of enjoy each episode as it come because i think it's like the best um representation of our industry that i've ever seen like on on the screen
2: on on that note have you seen boiling point sam
1: i'd refuse to watch it
2: yeah i mean (laughs) but it's now also a tv show which apparently is i need i'm gonna watch that this week actually um but
0: that looks so stressful man no, I can... it's, it's
2: too stressful like the film is one of the most stressful experiences of my life but um i'm going to check out the tv show as well because i was, I was listening to an interview with the director actually they have like a chef correspondent at all times so i reckon that'd be a good one for you to check out sam when you're when you need a, a wind down from work
1: yeah that's the problem man uh i'll, I'll get to it someday maybe like yeah
2: the film Time is fucking track. incredible it's, it's an, an incredible film yeah
0: can i just get a um are, do we are we all agreed that forks is the best episode
2: yeah because i i, I think like the one before it was got all the, the, the products the christmas one but forks is like one of my favorite ever episodes of tv of anything and i just
0: like the moment the that we all just, know i was I like that's I that's I my it. personality now forever thank you and good night i don't I want to do anything or my... watch anything else I just
3: you put mean, that you scene-
0: mean the
2: Taylor Swift mm-hmm. the moment? Yeah. The Taylor Swift one. I fucking just love that. I can watch that all the time. It came sometimes. on the
0: radio so the much on YouTube and, now.
3: Yeah. It came on the radio and my wife was like, oh, this is like, this is Richie's song. It's called, it's like, of course it is. It's no longer my Taylor.
2: Favorite, the favourite thing about it is that he gets the words wrong as well. I think that's a really like great yeah. that but That's watch.
0: how you, yeah, exactly. That's how you know it's such a good show because you can't have him like know it all perfectly. I was you- trying
1: to hate that episode so much because I'm like, this guy was working in a, Fucking sandwich shop and now he's working at like a three yeah. mission star place like in a week and he's like on the floor, like taking orders and like running dishes and he's like running the pass in like the busiest restaurant in the world. Um, so I was like sort of back canceling it, but then I just got sucked into it. I'm like, yeah, They
2: Taylor it. swift you into it and they Taylor yeah, swift. Exactly. There's so much stuff in, in
0: that show. You have to just sort of I, I always think of that show is you just have to like make up a lot of stuff to fill in the dots. You're like, yeah. this this makes sense only if I pretend that like all of these things happened in between.
3: I liked the tranquility and the calm of Copenhagen as well. Like oh yeah, yeah.
0: lovely markers yeah. in Copenhagen. The, the, the
3: simplicity of that was really what, nice. What
2: a fucking show it is man. What a mm. fucking show the, the,
3: the cast like mad, you know, I guess when the Emmys comes around, has it been delayed because of um uh, the writer's strike maybe um, when the emmys eventually comes around you know there'll be so much about the succession cast but that the bear cast comes close and obviously yeah, you they, know uh,
2: there are more series to come they um they and they put it as a comedy in, in the emmys which is crazy because it's definitely not a comedy anyway, No. like a boy succession which is a smart move but yeah although like, it does it does mean that
3: their, their categories yeah their categories are much easier because Richie's not up against like Kieran Culkin and uh
0: that's a great fraud, Mc,
2: man. I can't stand it. it. Definitely <laughs> not what I would describe as a comedy in the bear. No. It's exhausting.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, also just I really nice.
0: Really. I think it's one of those, like it was like an unexpectedly nice show. I thought it would be like way more kind of stressy and shouty than it ended up being. Like based on the first episode, I was like, oh, I don't know, guys. But actually, they're all yeah. quite lovely.
3: The scene with um uh Sid Sid and uh him the chef uh under the table where they're fixing yeah. that table it's really really beautiful
0: oh getting just thinking about it um sam i presume the other thing you want to talk about is that you finally finished
1: finished top boy yeah. um yeah that was also amazing um thanks to all you guys for making me start it chronologically um that That's was uh,
2: i love those
1: yeah, it was it was it was so so good. Um loved every minute of it. Loved the original but also really enjoyed the Netflix um new adaptation of it as well. Thought it was great.
0: Do you feel thought, satisfied by how it ended wrapped up because I it know were awesome. like some like,
1: okay. Like, I don't know like is that a thing when people didn't like how it ended? I, I
0: think, think there were some dissenting voices, I feel.
2: Really? Yeah, I think some people were mixed on the the last series in general, but mm. I just I love the character so much, man. I, I was I was vibing with the whole thing. I really liked it, but I know it's been a bit mixed the last series. But what did you think? So my thought it was I was very happy to just watch all of it, and I think I watched it all in one night, and I just loved it.
1: Yeah, I had such a good time with it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I was literally glued to it. Um, I did that thing that I'm sure every person in the world does when like it's time to go to bed, but you want to watch the last episode, and then you're making that decision uh yeah so you know it's good when you don't want to go to bed and it's already far too late but you you hit play on the next episode so yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it it was was awesome um my final culture pick but not really a culture pick um was something that came out today that um i really really encourage everybody to to take a couple of minutes to watch was um Norwich city released a video for um mental health awareness day today um and if you have not seen it yet yeah, go and watch it because it's it's been really perfectly made have, have any of you guys seen it yet
2: yeah i saw it it's fucking uh not me for six to be honest but yeah it's a brilliant video
1: yeah yeah man it it, it it shook me up a bit but it's um yeah i think it's really important especially for, for all of us football fans and and match going people even if you're not match going just watch this thing basically the take home is to check on your mates Um, Yeah, and if you're not okay, just speak to somebody.
0: That's that's, that's that. Yeah, that's extremely important. Um, Thanks for that, Sam. Um, My culture picks are... Um I watched I actually watched a film for the first time in about three months last week. It was Corsage, which is a, a Marie Kreutzer directed film about the Empress Elizabeth of um the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and it's set in like, it's one year of her life in eighteen 1860- sixty. 1868 I think she was quite a mad figure she's very she's sort of iconic and extremely famous and was sort of well known for being a kind of a real beauty with all this long hair and also and apparently kind of went quite mad uh later on and went for all sorts of extreme diets and would do things like put like raw steak on her face and stuff um and this film is a sort of It's slightly in that sort of Sophia Coppola, Marie Antoinette vibe where it has kind of contemporary music in it. And a lot of the stuff is kind of obviously very modernized and and kind of a fantasy really, Um, but in a sort of more low key way. It is amazingly well acted um, and is extraordinarily beautiful to watch. It's not really like... It's what I would call sort of a lovable movie. It's pretty difficult. they don't like she is not a nice person, like she's obviously a woman who kind of struggles with her position um but they don't kind of shy away from the fact that she also has extreme power over other people, which she abuses basically um but it is a pretty impressive movie. unfortunately, turns out afterwards I didn't know this, but one of the lead actors was also um discovered. loads of child pornography so that's pretty grim I didn't know that at the time but just be warned if you're watching um the other thing is I've been listening to the um Sufjan Stevens record that came out a few days ago Javelin which is dedicated to his late partner he wrote um a really really beautiful dedication to him and the album itself is really really beautiful I haven't ever really listened to a lot of his stuff but it's certainly a sort of um sort of feels like something I'm vibing with right now. So I would really recommend that. Um, but that's it from me. I can't Thanks believe
2: uh, I can't believe it, man. We, I, I just realized that um neither of us have said Loki, and um I think that's I a, horrible fatigue that's going around Germany at the moment. But I did really like it, but maybe we'll talk about that one another time. But yeah.
0: I did enjoy I, it, I, you know. I, um, yeah, I
2: forgot I didn't re- have a clue what was going on half the time, and I am like in the, I think that's the warm thing with like, well, the yeah. first- going on but yeah we were like
0: ollie and i were like did we miss those basically it's the kind of thing that (laughs) kind of carried you through on sort of the fact that it looks really cool and everybody in it is really fun to watch but if you think too hard about it for any length of time your like brain will fold in on itself
2: yeah definitely but um we'll definitely revisit that and ahsoka Mm -hmm. finish as well but you know i can't really bother to talk about that to be honest (laughs)
0: We literally haven't watched any of it. That's why. (laughs) Even though I love Rosario Dawson, so I don't really know what I'm doing. um, Maybe I'll have to catch up on that and then we'll have like a big Marvel discussion that everyone can enjoy. Um, I also want us to do all of our Emmy picks at some point. I feel like that's necessary for this particular podcast. So that is our homework for next time or the time after that or whenever we get around to it. Um, Thanks, guys. don't really know how we're going to get through this annoying international break but we will be back next week in some form or another um billy will you see us out
2: right and i'm going to say it live so that we have to do it we're going to do a draft episode and i've been planning this for a very long time and it's coming next weekend and if i say it now it has to happen so up the spurs